Hi guys, welcome to the next episode of Humans of SDU. Let's start with a question. What do you know about Bangladesh? Before this episode, all I could say was that it's probably a big country with probably a lot of people somewhere in Asia. And of course you can google the capital and find its location on a map, but if you really want to know something about a country, what it's like to live there, then join us for a talk with Shabab who comes from there and shares some interesting thoughts. Hello Shabab, thank you for joining us into our podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I would like to know how you actually ended up in Denmark, because you're from Bangladesh and yes. I know there was some movement behind your journey to Denmark. Yeah, yeah sure. So, yeah, it's a kind of a long story, but I'll try to keep it as short as possible, right? So I think it's I should start off my journey from a bit before even how I came f- made the journey from Bangladesh to Denmark because it it actually starts a bit earlier than that. So when I was around uh, 13 or 14 years old or so, uh, my whole family and I we decided to immigrate to the UK. Mm-hmm. And then I was there, we we moved there for and we were living there for about 4 or 5 years. But due to some stuff that didn't work out, uh, we had to go back. To Bangladesh. To Bangladesh, yes. And uh, this was a pretty, I don't know, a very sad moment for me, I guess you could say, because I, I kind of led my adolescent years in the UK, right? It was a really, really important time. And I, I made some really good friends at that time. And uh, I was about to gra- uh, like go into university and start a bachelor's and it was uh, going to be a big moment and right then I had to everything got uprooted and I had to go back from one of the most developed countries to my home which yeah I, I don't want to <laughs> say anything negative here but you know how it is right so ever since that day when I when I found out that I'm going back it's it was like I gave myself a target that no matter what I have to get back to Europe, to the UK probably again, because uh, I simply, I can't uh, stay back home forever, right? And since then I, I was trying, but it was mainly due to financial reasons that I couldn't, because when you are coming from a country like Bangladesh, if you want to go to a European country or any other developed society, it's going to cost you a lot of money. Uh, I can give you some rough estimates, like if you if you are to do a bachelor's or even a master's, you are looking at at least 10 to 15,000 euros a year on the studies. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the living costs you can earn by doing some job at a restaurant or something. So let's, but still 15,000 euros a year is a lot of money. And if I would go for a bachelor's, that's around times three. So like 45, 50,000, and then a master's around 30,000 for two years. So, so I needed a scholarship, right? And a scholarship was like a miracle. So it was never, I don't know if it was ever going to work out. And ever since uh, I went back, I was applying to get them. And uh, I tried for a few months for a bachelor's first. It didn't work out. So I thought that I'll start doing my bachelor's and I keep applying to, for a credit transfer. Kept doing that, didn't work out. I finished my bachelor's. And then, <laughs> then I thought that, okay, fine. Now I can try for a master's scholarship because I had a really good... Uh, grades for my bachelor's but even then uh, I spent about four or five six months after my bachelor's doing nothing and just applying but didn't work out I got up to like 40 50 percent scholarships from certain countries uh, like in America and Canada but 
simply they, they were not enough. So then I, I thought that, uh, you know, what I have to do is the scholarship thing is probably a myth because I had pretty good grades, but I still don't get it. So what's going wrong, right? And <laughs> then I thought that, fine, I'm going to get a job, save money for a master's and then go. So there was a change of plans and then I started working. I worked for about two, three years, uh, around three years. And uh, What did you do? Uh, I actually worked in a few different industries. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, I worked, uh, I worked as a software developer. Uh, I worked in trade marketing and distribution as a manager there. And I also worked as a product manager for software products. So several different kind of jobs. I was getting close to my target basically of having enough uh, money to pay for a master's abroad. And then I thought that, okay, now I can apply and get somewhere with the money. And then the most interesting thing happened, right? I applied to a few countries, uh, the UK being one of them as well, and Denmark being one of them as well. And I don't know why I really applied to Denmark. It's just, uh, I guess the university SDU kind of seemed interesting to me. Uh, and the fees were also a lot cheaper than some of the other countries. So I thought, okay, that's fine. I can pay for it. But then after I applied for it, interestingly, I got a scholarship. And not only did I... <laughs> now it came. Yeah. <laughs> didn't ask for the scholarship? Uh, no, 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 no. Okay. So because apparently in Denmark, you have something called a uh, Danish government scholarship where people are applicants, international students basically are automatically considered. Oh. And every year, uh, a very few percentage, like from each department, maybe one or two people get it. And they thought that I'm eligible for this. And not only did I uh, get the scholarship for the fees, I also get like a monthly allowance for my living expenses from the government. So it was absolutely perfect, right? Yeah. And uh, so it's it, it takes me back to this one thing that I, I used to... I, kind of still do read a lot of books and there is this uh, one quote I don't remember exactly from which book I got it from but it says that you usually find things when you stop looking for them mm -hmm. you know so and it, it it happened to be true because I was not looking for it at this time I was kind of prepared that okay I'm gonna pay the money and go but then I got it so it was a it was a big deal of course then I forgot about uh, the other places that I was going to, uh, that I had applied to, like the UK and uh, also in Norway, I think I had applied. And then I just came here straight away. It all happened really fast as well, because I think uh, I got to know like two weeks before the uh, induction days. And so it was really sudden, but I couldn't wait. Of course, I was just gonna leave because it had been, I think I went back home in 2013 then I came here in, uh, what, 2019, so like six, seven years it took for me to get out, right? So, and then finally I felt, it was, a, it was like, even after I graduated, I graduated and uh, I, I got the vice chancellor's award and I had really good grades. I didn't feel accomplished, you know, I, for some reason. Then I, even when I got the, the places that I got a job at, they were really good jobs. It still didn't really make me feel accomplished. Sorry, I, I'm just, I got a little bit confused. Yeah. These uh, jobs and uh, the studies you made back in Bangladesh? Bangladesh. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. So, I mean, for anybody else doing those would probably just be happy and keep doing them. And they would feel really accomplished with it. 
but I didn't because it was like back in my head I just needed to get out you know and mm -hmm. uh, that's why uh, when that happened and then when I finally came here I that's one of the few moments that I actually finally felt really accomplished and mm -hmm. because for some time I even thought maybe it's not gonna happen you know that uh, seven years is a long time right kind of makes you think yeah it's over because how do you chase something that long yeah you proved your patience yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's one way yeah. to put it. Yeah. So yeah, and then here I am. Now I'm trying to make sure that I can sustain here. You know, I'm doing a, just to give some background, I'm doing a master's in computer science here at SDU. Um, I have about uh, one and a half semester left of my studies. Yeah. yeah. But you are here for a one year or something? So yeah. One year or something? Yeah. And you are pretty engaged in everything, like not even around about the university. Yeah, I at least we could consider yeah. comparing to the average yeah, student. Yeah. I would argue. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I try, right? It's 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 that uh, the one thing that I think, and also, it, I can touch on this more of a global problem where people say that there is an immigration problem in the world, kind of right in the developing uh, in the developed societies, right? And if you think of why that happened or why people think of that. It's, I believe it's mainly due to one thing, which is integration and nothing else. You have all of these people from the developing countries like myself, who go over to a developed country to lead a better life, but they don't want to change, right? And as what, something that, uh, since the time that I went to the UK, one of my uncles, he always told me that you have left Bangladesh, but whether Bangladesh will leave you or not is the real question, mm. right? And if you really want to go and live somewhere forever, like you want to settle there, then you kind of have to integrate to the local culture, right? Otherwise, if you just want to go there and build your own community there, that's not fair, right? Mm -hmm. Then, then if, you, if that's what you want, you can stay in your country. Yeah. And, you know, so, so that's, that's one of the main reasons to why I think we have these problems around the world. And I don't want to be on the wrong side of that problem. So what helps you integrate in Denmark? Yeah, so there are, there are a lot of things that, that I'm doing. So the first thing that I started doing to, I knew that I had to meet people, right? And from the first week that I came here, I tried to look for activities that I could do. Uh, it was tough the first few weeks, I would say, because ever since I came to Denmark, I realized that people here only love beer. <laughs> uh, and they really love beer and no matter what you want to do beer has to be a part of it right <laughs> and then uh, but, but but this is a big barrier for me because of uh, my religious views as I'm Muslim and I don't drink so and right away when when I think when I would say something like this maybe to a Dane they would probably think to themselves that oh boy he's gonna have a hard time integrating <laughs> here right but but you know it's it's it depends on how much you try. So then I thought that, no, there has, there must be other stuff I could do. So I looked for sports activities, right? And I love to play football. So I started to look out for people who play football here. Eventually, I actually found uh, this group of Danes who, who have been, uh, their group actually dates back to the 50s. And they have been playing since then, you know? And it's amazing that I found it's these guys. It's just for fun playing. Okay. Just for fun. All right. The Facebook group is literally called Football for Fun. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, and it has, it has uh, been there forever. And uh, we play three times a week, 
right? And uh, it's amazing. It's uh, so that's how it kind of got started. So I go there, go to a place three times a week, and especially in the summer when we play outdoors, there are like at least 30, 40 people coming to play, and we make like four different teams to play. So that's how I started meeting a lot of people there, and then started becoming friends with them. And then with some of these friends, we decided to do some more stuff, like I joined the gym, then I met some more people there, you know, and the other most interesting part of Denmark is board games, right? Which doesn't necessarily <laughs> include drinking. Yeah, so, something you can so, do. Yeah, and I am, I don't know if my story reflects this so far, but uh, I am very competitive, right? And I love <laughs> to win, and, I, and I'm patient, you know, to, to get there. So, of course, board games go with me. <laughs> and, and that's why it, it has been great. Uh, I've, I've spent, like, I think the longest I did was I spent around uh, eight hours playing a game of Civilization. I don't know if you are aware of that game. It's uh, in, no, in no. Papa's Pub Bar. It's a really long game. Yeah, and it looks like yeah, a really long it's game. A, it's a really long game. And, <laughs> but it was fun and it was great. And so, yeah, I, 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 played, these, I played games and that's how I was mixing with people. So... That's how it kind of really started, you know. That's how, and once you meet two or three people, even that's it. You are you are starting to build this community, and then you get to know more and more and more. So, hmm. yeah, that's how. Why do you say it? It sounds so easy, but like there, I mean, there are so many uh, like question marks in my head. Yeah. Like, how about what about a language? How come you're yeah, not yeah. shy to approach those people? How yeah, did you so find all those opportunities? So language is a good point, right? Yeah. And uh, it's good that you mentioned. So I also started to do the Danish language classes when I was here, because of course that's important, but then they made it paid. It was, I was doing it when it was free. <laughs> I was having a great time. And, uh, <laughs> but I think they're going to make it free again. They should. Yeah, yeah. I think they're going to do it from June or July, from mm. what I hear. But uh, yes, yeah, so I was learning the language, but you see, the thing is that contrary to what most people say, that in Denmark, the Danes, they don't really like to mix with people. That's what most of the internationals think, that the Danes like to stay by themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Well, of course, that's true to the sense that they're not going to come and approach you, right? Because they don't need friends. They have grown up here. They have their circle. Yeah. Why do you think only the internationals come and talk? Because they need friends, right? So the same applies that <coughs> if you go and speak to a Dane, they will just as much talk to you and become friends with you. And the problem is that most people are, I guess, a bit scared to, you know, approach the Danes. And so I kind of didn't do that. Uh, I spoke to a lot of them. I gave myself certain targets, like... Uh, whenever we had any group assignments, I made sure that there are at least there is at least one Dane in the group. <laughs> so so that yeah, I mean you can I don't know if it was a wrong way to do it or something. There are different ways of looking at it, right? But my agenda was I need to integrate, so I need to mix with these people. So yeah, and I was in the class looking at everyone was like, okay, where are the Danes? I need to <laughs> yeah. you know, every day in race ahead. Yeah, so <laughs> of course. And I was like, okay, let's see who do who who seems more approachable, you know? <laughs> <laughs> who, who 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 wouldn't get who who wouldn't send me off. So and then there would always be someone that uh, I don't know. And like this I I spoke to a, a few of the guys and uh, I made friends with them and I mean it's interesting one of through these through these group assignments, one of my closest uh, 
Danish friends, actually. One of my closest friends in Denmark, he's actually a Dane. And I met him through doing a group project. And he now lives up in Copenhagen. But I sometimes go over to meet him in Copenhagen. And he comes here to meet me in Odense. So, see, it works out. And it's just that uh, I approached him. And I didn't approach him once. I approached him a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Keep <I> mean, digging. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, approach as in, I don't know, just, you know, I, st you just have to start a conversation a few times. If you just start a conversation a few times and then... Eventually, if, 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 if you guys are like-minded, it's gonna it, you are going to be friends, right? So, yeah, but you're still right. It's, it's, it's not as easy as probably I'm saying it, but it only matters on how hard you try, right? And how bad you want it. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. I guess that's how you, I can put it. Yeah. And, but we, have, we already had a few like views on that we had a few internationals who were telling us these stories yeah. but what they couldn't tell us is something about bangladesh because oh. that's a very yeah. and there i don't there are not many people from bangladesh here yes could you tell us something about yeah, your country sure so there are a lot of things i guess i could say about my country so uh well facts wise i can give you some interesting facts right so we are actually <laughs> give them to me. Yeah, yeah yeah we i really want to do this because uh, <laughs> the the country is is not that much bigger than denmark right mm. but so there are five million people in denmark there are 180 million people in my country and that makes it one of the most if not the most population dense uh, densely populated country in the whole world mm. and there have been some studies where they say that the, the the capital city is actually so dense that on a theoretical level it doesn't make sense how people are not colliding with each other because there isn't <laughs> so supposed they can to move be, even. Yeah, yeah yeah like how are how is there enough space for everyone to be distributed even you know that, that theoretically it shouldn't work out because of the number of people there are so <clears throat> but when you when people go there they see there's a lot of traffic jam and it's really hot and things like that and you, they're complaining. But when you put that into perspective, that, okay, there are so many people. And then you think that, okay, considering that, it's actually a great deal that things are moving, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so then you think, maybe we're not doing such a bad job after all, right? Because it's, it's easy to lead a country with 5 million people compared to running a country with 180 million people. Right. It's just 180 million more problems, if you think of it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, it's a, it's a very, I don't know, it's a very, the, 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 we have really rich culture, which is an inter interesting thing. And I think the culture is also embedded in our history because uh, we are a country who fought for its independence. So we have, back in, back in 71, we were in a war against Pakistan. Who basically, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but uh, they, they they wanted to completely get rid of the language Bengali, Bangla. They didn't, no one will speak that basically. And we wanted our own language, so there was a movement against it. There was a war. Lots of people died. It was a nine months long war. We had a lot of help from international communities, and we were able to keep our country and our language. So because of that, so there's a lot of culture inherently coming from there, right? And you see that everywhere in the country, like they paint up the whole streets 
there are records of the largest human flag. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, people, people in my country, they really, they really love their country. And I mean, they love their country to some extent I can't explain here because it's going to kind of make it sound funny and uh, question the credibility because they, <laughs> they will believe almost anything uh, when, you, when you talk about it with respect to the country, right? Mm. So, yeah, but yeah, it, it also, we also have the longest speech in the world. The longest speech? Yes, longest sea beach in the world. No one knew that. But That's a nice top one. Yes, <laughs> it's a really good thing. The thing is the reason, the reason uh, we actually have a lot of scope for tourism, but the reason that this is not explored or uh, it's, it's the potential will never truly be met, I guess, is because of the religious views as we are Muslim. And you know how the people of the West say that for tourism, you need drinks and girls. This is not going to work out in my country. So, <laughs> but it might uh, be. I mean, for example, a lot of people go from Europe to Tunis or Egypt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mostly Muslim yeah. countries. Yeah, but I think so. It's maybe like different. Yeah, but different even culture in, in a yes, but even in a country like Tunisia, I think you can. Yeah, of course, it's like alcohol. separated things. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's like but a tourist place and uh, yes, the yes. I mean, the point is place. that even yeah. like you can go to Dubai, right? There's yeah. a nightlife in Dubai. Yeah. But in, in, in Bangladesh, no, you cannot. Like, you, you can procure alcohol, let's say, but it's really, really down the table kind of deals. And All right. yeah, like if, you are, if you're caught with it, then you will be in a lot of trouble. There are people being checked regularly and stuff like that. So, mm. so it's, it's not really something that you can do openly. Mm. Right? And I mean, considering the longest sea beach in the world, right? The whole coastline is supposed to be full of people if they really want to enjoy it, hmm. right? But we can't do that. So because of that, uh, it's like the tourism can never really meet its potential, right? Mm. And it's also, this is just the longest sea beach, it's just not the only thing. We have waterfalls and hills, hmm. lots of them, and they're really nice hills that you can go to and waterfalls, so. So what do you think that, that prevents the tourists to go there? Because from what you say, it seems to be like a wonderful country to, go, yeah. to go to. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but I, 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 I don't me, think it's not only alcohol. I yeah, mean, you go for a... Like, I don't know, man. The, from what I have seen, most of the people who, who go to travel, right? Yeah. They want to sightsee in the day, but they want to do other things at night. You know, they want to have a good time during the day and they want to have a good time during the night. And the point is that even if they're not doing it every night, they would probably want to do it some nights, right? Which is why you can choose a country like Thailand, where you still get uh, like the beaches and these hills and stuff like in my country, but you also get a nightlife. So if you go there and you feel like you don't want to do those, fine, you can still do the other things. But it's always from a, I guess from the tourist's perspective, when they have they would like to go to the place which gives you more options all right yeah so i think that's i mean of course there are still the tourism is still still very rich from the local population so the local people are still going and it has recently boomed a lot like there was a time when these waterfalls you couldn't even get there Oh yeah, like there was no proper way to get there. Like you would really have to. It was really rough terrain, and you would have to actually hike up, on at your own risk and stuff like that. All right. But recently, the government has started developing these further, and that's why now more people are going there. 
Also interesting fact about Bangladesh is it's one of the few countries uh, in the world right now where they have a ongoing really big nuclear power plant oh, okay. being built, which is actually like an underground. Yeah. Hmm. And it's apparently from the same people who were working at Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> Makes it just more interesting. Right? <laughs> 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 okay. One reason more to stay in yeah. for you. <laughs> and uh, the, the the thing is that not a lot of people even know about this for some reason. Like it's not it's not heavily advertised. And I only got to know about it is because uh, during one of the jobs that I was doing, it was I was located at a place near it, and then I went around this place one day and I was thinking, what is this huge construction site? What's happening here? <laughs> and there was, suddenly I could see a lot of Russian people and I'm thinking, what the hell are these guys doing here? It's not even in the capital, right? <laughs> what's going on? And uh, yeah, then I found out what's, what's going on. So it's interesting. And just another fact about my country. But yeah, but yeah I, I, as great as my country is, I guess I would like to remain here. And a lot of people ask me why. Okay, let me ask you yeah. why. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah it's, it's actually a pretty easy question to answer, right? So <laughs> when you want to, when anybody wants to, wants to settle somewhere, or basically if you think about what you want from your life, right? Other than these uh, things like, yeah, I want to travel the world, right? Let's forget that and let's look at some of the necessary things, right? Uh, you need a good healthcare system. Right, where if something happens to you, you can be sure that you stay alive, right? You don't die too young. And also, you don't have to pay too much for that so that you can actually afford. So healthcare, big thing. Security. You don't want to live in a country where if you go walking right outside your house and someone, I don't know, picks you up, someone picks your kids up while they're on their way to school, right? takes me to the third point, which is education. You don't want to live in a country where you or your future generations don't really get a good quality of education and have to rely on learning from the internet, let's say, or learning from experiences, not really learning much from the school. So, and finally, just life after retirement, right? Something like financial freedom, you could say, or you could not really financial freedom, but just someone just looking out for you, right? Because you obviously can't be working forever. So financial security, right? These four things pretty much don't exist in any developing country from, from what I know, or it's hard to get, right? So the biggest point of them being the first two, which was healthcare, which is extremely expensive in my country. And the sad part is that even when it is expensive, you don't even get good quality. So it is on countless occasions, my own mother has had been mistreated, uh, misdiagnosed, given wrong medicine due to this uh, economical agenda of the, of the pharmaceutical corporations telling doctors to prescribe medicine and they get money out of that, right? And uh, these are really expensive medicine we're talking about and after a month, uh, it has side effects and then my mother had to be operated to get that fixed and the doctor would come and then beg to us to not complain to the authorities because he also has kids to feed right mm -hmm. oh. so it's yeah I mean where do you go it's just the whole system is like that right and 
you don't you don't want to be there, right? And it's then it comes from this from this part of financial security, right? Like there is no way for you to save money in that country. Like you, the disposable income is really low, so whatever you make, you spend, and on the necessary stuff. And if there is something that you have left and you kind of pile that up and save it slowly, in five, six years, you have a good amount, someone will get sick in the family, right? That's it, boom, one event. Not even get sick, you can have an accident. It's normal, right? And that's it. In the blink of an eye, all that money will be gone because you have to treat them. And 50% of the time, maybe the treatment is wrong as well. So. <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's really sad that it's like that, but yeah, so, but that's... Do you see there like any changes for better in, in Bangladesh? Yeah, I mean, they, they say it, it is definitely, it has kind of, a lot of things have gotten better, a lot of things have also gotten worse. Okay. But the thing is that if I had the choice, I would never remain there. Of course, if I didn't have the choice, I would have to stay there. And the, these things that I was just mentioning, I would have to live in that situation. It's not like everyone is dying, right? People are still living, but it's just that much harder. When you when you come to a country like Denmark and you see people that they have nothing to worry about, right? You you just go to work and you relax. The government has has it taken care of, which is why I don't mind paying taxes. Take more if you want. I don't care because <laughs> I can I can literally see how this money is going to somehow come back to me, right? Because even after paying these taxes, I have disposable income. I can save money and this this money that I'm saving in Denmark I just by just doing some student jobs I can already save some money and this money that I can save I know for a fact that it's not going to take some random event for the money to be gone like it would happen in my country right mm -hmm. and this is why it's not just me but it's like everywhere you will see people from like Southeast Asia in general they just want to leave they want to go to another country you know and uh, a lot of people are also here sending money back home you know like sustaining their family back home by earning money here and also saving for themselves hmm. so yeah so yeah that's why i'm here you know and i hope i can stay here so i don't have to go back yeah so far yeah. from what you said you're about to finish your studies you have yes. a job so it seems yes. like you're on the good way to do that yeah i'm trying yeah. Depends only time will tell, right? Because uh, I also believe that uh, all of not everything is in our hands, right? So if if it's not meant to be, I can't force something to happen. Hmm. So I just have to keep my head down and hope that it is meant to be. <laughs> that's, that's that's the only option. Yeah, it's yeah. something like yeah, please, this should be meant to be, and then I I can keep staying here. So otherwise, all the integration will mean nothing. <laughs> Yeah. From what you said, you you encountered so many things in your life. I mean, pleasant, unpleasant. Yeah. I guess. Do you have any, um, you call it maybe life hack, how to cope with everything that comes across mm. your way to stay, I would say, more or less positive? Yes. Or, uh, I, I, can, I can answer this in one word, literally. And uh, it comes with a little bit of a backstory as well. So I was doing a... So before I got the, one of the first jobs that I got, which was at a really big multinational company, uh, it's kind of, it was kind of the dream job in my country, and it still is, but, and it's tough. It's like every graduate 
from all the good universities compete for that job, right? So the hiring process is really competitive. And they have many different steps, like you go through at least seven, eight steps before you actually get the job. In one of these steps, they asked uh, you to make a video where you kind of explain yourself in one word. Ah, so, <laughs> there comes the word. <laughs> yes, there comes the word from it. So uh, I don't know why it was I made the video a long time back and uh, I have seen that I kind of realized that, yeah, this word kind of sums up everything before and even everything afterwards. Uh, every time I go back to it, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. That's it. You make it so, so thrilling. Tell me the word. Yes, of course. <laughs> that's the that's the point, right? But <laughs> so um, yeah, the word is basically perseverance. So it's basically patience, right? And you just, I mean, there are other ways to interpret it, but I think in in its most simplest simple terms, like you have to be patient and you have to hold on, so that it gets better. And it that's just it. Whatever it is, whatever situation you are in, you just have to be patient. And, that's why, like, yeah, I was patient seven years to get here. And now, I don't know, it's probably going to be quite a while before I can actually confirm that I don't have to go back, right? Because, uh, as you guys might know, it's not really that easy to remain in a country like Denmark, right? Because you really have to prove yourself and you have to prove your worth to the economy before they can keep you here. And it's not something that I can just do over a night or just do with a master's degree years of work, learning the language, and many, many things. So again, just, just take one step at a time and be patient, you know, and hopefully it will all add up in the end. So, Great. Yeah. Right. Well, we can just wish you very good luck with that. Yeah, and thank you for sharing your thoughts. Yeah, thank, thank you very, very much, much for joining us. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was a <laughs> great time. That's all for today, thank you for listening and don't forget to join us next week when we're gonna talk to Kenneth about his two penguins. Have a nice week, bye!